Hey, what's up, man? Matt, how are you? Can you hear me and see me okay? I can hear you just perfectly. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, are you are you down in uh, Oklahoma right now? I am. Yeah, we actually okay. just uh, just closed on a on a house uh, that I'm currently sitting in uh, last Friday. So. Oh, congratulations! Thanks, brother. Putting some roots down. Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, what's the situation going on for your guys' club and the state you're in? Yeah, um, Oklahoma, I guess I'd say one of the benefits uh, of living in a, let's say, sparsely um, ha habitat area, if you will, um, is that the, the restrictions are less. Um, there's, you know, we... we we have to be mindful, of course, to, to others, to the elderly community, to people that may have underlying health conditions. So when we're out at the grocery store or just, uh, you know, generally in public, you do do your best to wear masks. Right. Um, but as far as, uh, you know, statewide lockdown and everything like that, look, it's um, I don't want to say it's fully back to normal, but, uh, you know, we're not a New York or Los Angeles, you know. Are you guys able to do any training then? Yeah, yeah, we've okay. uh, we've been we've been back training, uh, small group, and obviously as a goalkeeper, we're always in like this small group setting, right? So it's it's kind of like business as usual. Aside from you know the small sided games that we're able to play, aside from the shots on goal from from our, from the field players, um, but they. The energy have done a really good job of there's a specific protocol in place. When you arrive at the facility, you arrive with your mask. They take your temperature. They ask you how you've been feeling. Um, and, uh, you know, as long as, you know, you're not running a temperature or you're not sick from the night before, you're able to come in. They, they have specific stations, you know, for myself, uh, second goalkeeper, third goalkeeper, fourth goalkeeper. Um, and uh, they've done a really, really good job of instituting some sort of protocol on these unprecedented times. Yeah, right on. That's awesome. That's good. You guys can uh, train because I know some clubs, some of those players are, are dying not being able to be on the field. Exactly. Exactly. So the, the name of the game for picking where to play in 2020 is less populated area so you can train earlier. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Look, we're set. Hey, I'll be the I'll be the spokesperson for the state. We're centrally located, two hours in a plane to each coast. Come on, let's go. Cost of, cost of living isn't isn't terrible. Sold, sold already. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, guys. Welcome back to another Footy and Coffee conversations. Uh, to get started, just introduce yourself, what position you are, and what club you're currently with. Yeah, my name is Cody Lorendi. I'm the goalkeeper for the Oklahoma City Energy. Very cool. Yeah. So I think uh, you have you have a unique career. Uh, you've had a lot of adventures as well as uh, a lot of years in the professional um, professional game. So I, I'm excited to, to hear your story and hear some of the details about how your career has unfolded to you ending up buying a house in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. Man. Hey, and, and before we get going, thank you. Thank you for, for the time. Uh, thank you for obviously the interest uh, in in sitting down together virtually. Um, I, I really appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, just to get started, talk a little bit about your youth career. Where did you yep. grow up? Uh, what did what did soccer look like to you starting out? Well, born and raised uh, in Melbourne, Florida. Um, 
East Coast, Central Florida, uh, to be exact. Our closest big city is Orlando. So uh, growing up, obviously, we play, I played youth uh, throughout uh, the, the Melbourne, Brevard County area. But as you get older, as you, you know, advance and you have these goals and aspirations, obviously traveling is uh, pretty much a requirement, right, to, uh, mm -hmm. to be seen. So uh, high school is kind of when uh, soccer really became a, a, a heavy focus for me. Um, so that meant traveling to Orlando, um, played for a team uh, called Ajax Orlando. So obviously Ajax Amsterdam uh, came over. They, uh, they brought a lot of high quality coaches over. Um, so we would travel, I would travel about an hour, hour, 15 minutes, uh, two to three times a week for training. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a through line here in this whole career is the commitment aspect of all of this is, is uh, you have to be willing to put yourself out there. You have to be willing to uh, uh, literally and figuratively pay your dues um, uh, for the, for the chance, right? Not, not for the guarantee, but for the chance that you'd be able to be seen and you could progress in your footballing career. Now, I, I heard rumor has it that the way that you ended up being a full-time goalie was uh, you were in tryouts with high school and not sure if you would make the team as a field player. Um, and you were like, but I know I can make it as a goalie, so I'm going to put myself in goal. It was mad. It wasn't even as if it was a, it was a foregone conclusion that I could. It was just, I was, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm able to supply a need because nobody else was willing to jump a goal. So, okay, wait a minute, there's a need here. And I don't think my future is on the field. <laughs> it's on the field, but it's in a different position. So I kind of realized, hey, I could be the goalie. Now is that, have you, did you play like any goalie before that? Or was it, that? So it's not okay. like I was completely new to the position. It was okay. just when I was young, uh, you know, Tony Miola was my, uh, my idol, right? So okay. I was obviously, I, I loved the goalkeeping position from a young age, but I would say from, from 10 or 11 years of age, all the way up until 15 or 16, I was more of a field player. So I had early experience with the position, but uh, I had a general understanding, but by no means was that my uh, position to begin with. So, so then you, you put yourself in goal. You obviously make the team. Yep. Uh, what, what's the experience like? How is the switch from being sometimes in goal, sometimes field player to now goalie's my route? Uh, did you find a lot of passion in being, you know, 100% a goalie? Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I really enjoy – I was also – I played football as well, and I was also the kicker in football. Um, and there's a lot of correlation with those two positions. I, I feel myself, uh, I think from a goalkeeping and a, and a kicking point of view, um, you're either looked at as the, the reason you won or the reason you lost, whether that's right or wrong. No in between. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. There was not, not like there was 100 other plays during the game, right, or, or 90 other minutes. Um, but it's just something that I gravitated towards. I was like, okay, I, I, want, I want to feel that pressure. I want to be the one that, look, there's nobody behind me, right? Or look, it's up to my play that can dictate a, a win or a loss. Um, and that's something that just gra I gravitated towards in nature. Um, I, I like that pressure. I think uh, it makes me feel, um, 
it, it gives me a rush. It, it makes me feel, and I know it's cliche, but it makes you feel alive, right? Um, to, to be able to put your work out there for everybody to judge whether right or wrong. Um, and, and that's kind of that's where I enjoy life is it, kind of like living on that edge, living mm -hmm. on that edge. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was a high school, was that, I believe the all-star game and you go in on the field though and score four goals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And let me, let me preface it with this growing up. Right. Um, I, from a club perspective and, uh, and I hope the, the younger audience that does get to watch this sees, I was the last pick, right. I sat on the bench, right. I, I, I would travel to these tournaments. My family would pay the money. And I'd be lucky if I got 10 minutes, right? So it wasn't as if I just gravitated towards this sport and I was the starter and I played every minute and it was all about me. No, that, that's the complete opposite of who I am as a person and my, my experience from sport. It was just hard to, you know, your heart, it's hard to beat the guy who doesn't quit, right? And that's, mm -hmm. that's how I look at things. Um, you know, I have, I've had to fight and, and, and work extremely hard as has everybody who has achieved anything in this life nothing has ever ever been given to me again i know that sounds cliche right but if if there's anything that anybody could take away from my story it's that i i wasn't the best i i wasn't the number one pick i was more times more times than not i was the last one on the bench here uh it, it just i wouldn't quit i wouldn't let somebody else's um uh, opinion, right, or perspective of me affected. I just, you know, okay, that's fine. That's one person's opinion. Keep moving forward. So that's that's kind of what I hope people can get out of out of out of this conversation that we're having. Yeah, and I think it's uh, in a in a past interview we were talking about that of how much players often live and die by what their coach thinks or says about them, and it's one person's opinion and. You might be a great player for a different coach that hates the style that you play or, you know, that coach loves it. And then you go to another coach and now you have to deal with a coach who doesn't love it. And if you live and die by coaches or fans or media say about you, more often than not, someone's going to have something negative to say and you're going to feel terrible about yourself. Exactly. I think uh, in uh, Javi Alonso's book, his father has a great point. And what he says is, you know, when things are going great, um, you're never, you're never a genius. Right. And when things aren't going so great, you're not a failure. Right. And if you live, uh, let's say if you live by the headline of, Oh, uh, take me for example, or, or, you know, Matt, you played great this weekend. So you're reading the papers or you're seeing the social media stuff. Oh, okay. I played great. It, and then, uh, you know, uh, of course you're going to have a bad game. Oh, I, I played like crap. That, that up and that down, that's killer. That's, that, mm -hmm. that, is, that is killer. I think from a, from a professional standpoint, from a career standpoint, right, you don't want to go, oh, I'm the best, to oh, I'm the worst. Because between in here, you're done. That, that's going to be yeah. a killer. Nice, steady, even keel, right? Mm -hmm. never, never a failure when things go wrong and never a genius when everything's going right. Absolutely. Yeah. I always tell my guys, you know, don't get too high after a win. Don't get too low after a loss because yeah. the more that you can learn to just be consistent and just almost walk straight through it, you're going to find success. Exactly. Exactly. So, so obviously, uh, 
a successful high school career. Uh, you're fully into goalkeeping. Um, at that point, is professional soccer at all you're thinking about, or are you just thinking, I want to go to college with this? So I, was, I was initially going to play football in college. I was going to go as a, as a tight end and as a punter, and I was going to go to, uh, it was down to NC State or UCF. Those are the two schools that I was really passionate about going to. And, and, and again, full disclosure, um, I was not a great student. Okay, So you have your GPA and you have to meet a, a certain test score, right? And again, I, I was interested in only sports. And looking back on that, obviously, it's not the best. And I would never, uh, you know, preach that or suggest that to any young kid. But it... It, it limited my opportunity for football because I, I wasn't able to qualify. Now, soccer, I, I, I was still playing youth, uh, youth soccer, I want to say U18. Yeah, U18. And uh, had an opportunity, uh, I was seen at a tournament by, uh, by a college named South Georgia College. Not Georgia Southern, it gets kind of confusing. You know, Georgia Southern is obviously a bigger institution. South Georgia College was like, um, the backwoods of South Georgia, uh, junior college, right? So uh, I was able to qualify through junior college and, and able to receive some sort of scholarship. So uh, while it was my own doing that kind of limited my options going into college, um, to sit back years later, it, it worked out for me. Now, maybe... <laughs> Maybe I'm the exception, not the rule. Let, let me make that very clear. You know, it's a, you know, get your studies going, be, be as passionate about your schooling as you are about your sports. But I, for yeah. And I think, cause obviously like every player or person is different with studies um, and not saying you have to have, you know, amazing grades, but I will say, I think for, for younger athletes to challenge themselves in the classroom, even if they hate it to, do as you know the best of their ability because again it's a mentally learning to do something you don't like and in sports if you do the things you don't like and can force yourself to train those you're going to be a more complete player so it's kind of i i view it as you know if you if you take it and obviously a lot of young kids maybe don't get that advice and they just are like oh focus on school and or sports and you can get a scholarship that way but almost challenging yourself and making it a competition in, in the classroom as well. Yeah, that's a fantastic point because repetition, right, leads to, uh, you know, technique, uh, just, just like learning would. Um, so that's a, that's a very, very good point. So uh, did you at all think to go to uh, junior college for football and try to transfer in for football? Or was it, why did you decide on soccer, just the scholarship offered? Uh, yeah, soccer was, was kind of... At that point, look, soccer was my is my first love uh, from a sport sporting perspective. Football kept me in shape. Um, it also uh, allowed me uh, to make friends outside of the soccer world, which I think is very uh, a huge aspect of this, right? But it also there was a there's a lot of crossover in terms of because I played tight end as well. So how are you using your body, right? How are you able to control your body? How are you able to uh, catch a football in traffic. So all those things, you know, translate very well uh, to the soccer field, especially as a goalkeeper. Um, so I kind of used one to, to better the other. And obviously, 
uh, from a high school perspective, um, playing goalkeeper, but also getting an opportunity to play on the field helped my football. So, yeah. you know, once the junior college thing uh, with soccer, um, I kind of was like, you know what, I'm all in. I'm all in with soccer. Uh, this is the path I've, uh, I'm choosing, and this is, this is the road I'm going to go down. So what's the, uh, what's the experience uh, at the school? You're, you're backwards, Georgia now. It's a little different than coastal Florida. Uh, what's, nope. what's it like being there? Oh, it was, uh, well, I'll say interesting. Um, there was uh, we, a lot of back roads driving on a Friday night. You know, it's like every country song that you hear, that's exactly what, <laughs> what the day-to-day was. Um, now, having said that, the, the competition was great. The competition was great. There was a, there's a junior college generally has a lot of guys uh, that for one reason or another didn't work out at a D1, D2 level. So they, they find a good home here. Um, and at the time, there was a club, there was a school called Georgia Perimeter. And Georgia Perimeter, uh, along with Tyler Junior College in Texas and then Yavapai out in Arizona, I believe, were, were pretty well known schools and good, good quality. Uh, you know, teams. So it wasn't as if, you know, even though the, 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 the backdrop, if you will, was, you know, a podunk town, the competition, the footballing competition was fantastic. So I spent a year there. Um, my big thing at that time was they hadn't put anybody into the professional ranks. Um, I had asked the question to the coach, the coach said, you know, we haven't put anybody into the professional uh, ranks as of yet. Um, and that was some, that, that's probably maybe a, like the time where I'm really taking it seriously as to try to try to go for it, right? Try to make a career out of this. Um, so as soon as, you know, that was the case, I had my, I finished there. I did one season there. I was like, you know what? I, I have to, I have to move, move on. Yeah. Uh, you, you go pretty, uh, bold route of moving on, uh, yeah. talk a little bit, how, how did that come to be? How uh, did that door open for you? Yeah, so, uh, so I did that, did the one year junior college up in Georgia, uh, came home, came back to Melbourne uh, for a full, shoot, close to a year, um, was completely out of the game, completely out of the game. Um, wound up gaining a ton of weight. Um, I'm a big All person. good weight, right? Come again? All good weight. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Keystone light. Keystone light. <laughs> no. So, uh, so I came home. I, I was just making just, uh, I wasn't in a good space and I wasn't in a great part of my life. You know, I was, uh, I was still uncertain as most people at the time, I'm 18 years of age, right? Most people are at that age. Nobody generally, generally really knows what they want out of life. So I moved back home. Uh, again, I, I started getting back to the things that have made me successful in the past and, and that was routine. So I started going to Planet Fitness at, uh, you know, midnight and started, uh, you know, walking, walking on the treadmill to knock off these pounds, right? Uh, I, I walk around now at like 220 and I was 297 at my head. Oh, wow. I was a big guy. Yeah. Uh, um, and it was down to me. It was my, my choices. It was my uh, mindset. It was nobody else's fault but my own. So I come back. Uh, I'm in Florida, and I'm working at an architectural firm just to make some money, right? Nine, nine to five. It was the first experience of my life 
working an actual job and something that I'm not passionate about doing. Um, and I still credit that as the biggest wake up call or motivation to, to kind of push forward with, uh, with the athletics, um, in my own life. So I'm working a nine to five, uh, and then through a coach that I had played for years prior out of Orlando, um, we, uh, we find out that there's going to be this club in Belgium that is starting up. It's owned and operated, um, by a, uh, by a friend of his. Um, they're looking to bring uh, kids from North America over to Europe uh, in the hopes of obtaining uh, a EU passport um, and then being able to sell them on to bigger clubs. Yeah, for those who don't know, Belgium's uh, rules for uh, getting passports and all are the probably the easiest in all of the yeah. EU. So that's kind of the, the entrance reason why Belgium. At the time, I think it was three years. I don't know if it's changed, but, um, but yeah, so, so again, paying, paying your dues, right? Literal and, and, uh, I go, I go out there, um, obviously paid for my flight. Um, so I, I, I get there and you're, I'm totally out of my comfort zone. Uh, I'm totally out of my comfort zone. You know, obviously growing up in Florida, not leaving home too far. I, I've never really experienced a winter. I've never really experienced uh, another language, another monetary system, you know, you name it. These are things that are, that I'm, that's all new to me. So, uh, so I'm there and scared as you know what, um, <laughs> but I was like, you know, uh, you know, as you get settled in, as you start making friends, as your teammates, be, you know, cause we're all living communally here. Um, you know, the same people that I train with are the same people that were over there. We're going to school as well. Um, that's initially how we, we were over there was on student visas. So okay. we would go to school in the morning, train at night or train in the morning, go to school at night. Um, it was a, we were all pretty much self contained in that aspect. And obviously then we had our freedoms when, uh, when we didn't have school or training or games, but it was, uh, it was the first time in your life, in my life where I'm out of my comfort zone. You know, I can't just, you know, it's a, it's a transatlantic flight to get home you know, uh, you better kind of suck it up and deal with it. Cause this is what you want. Right. Yeah. So you kind of figure it out quick. Is this something that I want or is this something that I just like the idea of? That's big. That's big. Uh, big question to ask. I yes. think for professional athletes, because a lot before they make it, the idea sounds nice but is it actually something when it comes down to the uh the bad parts of it exactly exactly so how does it how does it go for you uh during that time there was it so, you started to get more comfortable look uh, again i am willing to do nothing i i do not look at anything as uh anything that somebody needs of me i'll, I'll do it right and, and i took that same perspective uh, into this, this Belgium experience. Um, it, it cost money to, to live there. Uh, I was, I, if I was getting paid anything, it was performance incentives, you know, under the table, here's hundred euro or something. So I, uh, you know, first one in last one out, uh, we had this commons area where we would study or we would, you know, we had a little dining room. I, I said, I said to the, to the owner of the club, what can I do to, to kind of, um, save some money 
off of my dues. Well, we need a janitor. All right. So once the doors close at 10 o'clock at night and everybody goes home, scrub the toilets, right? Mop the floors, you know, Windex the, the windows, right? This is part of it. This was part of it for me, mm -hmm. right? How bad do you want it? Are you willing to literally scrub the toilet, right? To, to make this dream a reality, you know? And I, I don't say that to sensationalize. I say that because it's the truth. What you can't just, you, you can't, you can't just go into something and do the bare minimum and expect incredible result. You have to go in and you have to, you know, keep knocking on that door, keep, you know, sharpening the ax, keep hitting the wood, right? You have to do what is necessary for you to achieve uh, what you want out of this life. And that, that was just, a, that was something that, that, that I took upon myself to take a little financial burden off of myself and my parents uh that uh, again reinforced it look i want this and i'm willing to do whatever it takes for this dream to become a reality yeah the the actual the literal grind right there yeah exactly <laughs> did uh did you see playing wise because obviously that's the the mental off the field um grind that type of thing did you see your play improve as a goalie on the field during that time as well 100%, 100%, because it was the first time we're playing against grown men, right? We're pl playing against guys who, man, uh, they, maybe they've had, uh, we'll say, Bundesliga experience, right? Or, or uh, played at a top level, and maybe they're a yeah, little Yeah, but old. did you tell them you played, at, you know, in Georgia for the JUCO? Yeah, this, did you let them know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but you're playing against grown men, right? And that's different when... The, the mentality is different when uh, guys are playing to put food on the table, right? It's, it's a little different. It's a little different and it's not youth soccer anymore where, you know, oh, looking to get scouted for a college or, you know, oh, let's go win this tournament this week. No, you're fighting because the guy that you're going up against has two kids, right? That, he, that he's got to feed. And, and that, that whole, that was another level. That was like, okay, I, I've, I'm in this bubble, right? Now I'm out of the comfort zone and now I'm getting to here. I'm, I'm realizing, oh man, this is, this is different. This is different, but different in a great way. So yeah, I 100%, look, the trainings, the, <laughs> I, I, the field conditions itself, it was either pouring raining, right? We never had great weather whatsoever, or the ground was frozen, uh, you know, but I didn't care. Uh, I didn't care. I was over there and I was, I was living my dream, you know, or attempting to kind of keep pushing in the right direction. Um, training every day with like-minded individuals. I mean, no doubt you get better. And, uh, but along the way, it was, it's not this trajectory of uh, this upper trajectory of, Oh, I got so good. It's all right. I screwed up here. So I'm back down. Now I'm going to go up I go back. And that's kind of like, again, the trajectory of a career is, is very similar. You're going to have downs, you're going to have ups. And uh, yeah, that experience really, really was so valuable because you're in it. You're in it every single day and you're around guys who want it, right? And then you're around guys who think they want it and you see those guys kind of go by the wayside and then everything else gets lifted up, right? The guys who want it, the guys who are willing to put in the work, the guys who are willing to stay after, who are willing to show up early. There's no way you, you can't get better.
and, and that was just something that I'm so grateful for. And still to this day, I mean, we're talking, this is back in 2008, 2008. It's guys that I'm still friends with to this day. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I think it's, I mean, there's obviously a lot of differences between U S soccer and, and soccer in Europe, but I think at a, at a younger age to be able to see that I'm sure was beneficial because the, the mindset of that is completely different. Even if you're at a serious division one school, you know, none of them have been professionals and this is still to some extent, almost a hobby. Now when you're training and playing against guys that this is their livelihood, it changes it. No, nobody's mommy or daddy paid for them to be on the team. <laughs> that's a, that's a reality that you face real quick. That's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't work out to get the, uh, the passport in Belgium. Yeah. Uh, was there any consideration of trying other countries to play over in Europe? Uh, what led you kind of back stateside? Yeah, uh, that's a fantastic question. I had a uh, uh, kind of serious talk with a teammate at the time who was talking about going to Malta. And uh, I didn't know, obviously I didn't know anything about Malta, but it just, it, from pictures, it looked beautiful. Um, he went over there, he had some good success, but I was like, all right, we can't, I, I, I can't stay here in, in Europe right now. Can I use my connections, if you will, that I've built over the years to maybe play in the U.S. Because at the time, what is now the USL and the or what was the NASL was not, or even the MLS is not what it, what it is now. There was a handful of teams. So what I'm basically what I'm saying is the opportunity is not what, what was not there um, around 2008, 2009. Yeah, uh, soccer scene in the U.S. was a lot different. A lot, lot different. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, obviously I would love to stay over there. Um, but I did, I wound up coming back, uh, back to Melbourne and, uh, through that same coach, uh, a gentleman by the name of David Bardsley, who has had personal success, uh, as a player as well. He's capped for England multiple times, played for QPR. Um, he then helped me, um, or uh, yes, he helped me. He helped me, um, get an open tryout or get a, get a spot in an open tryout with um, the Puerto Rico Islanders. Um, at the time, Puerto Rico was coached uh, by a gentleman by the name of Colin Clark. Um, Colin and Dave, the coach that I reached out to, were teammates years prior. Okay. Again, so they have that connection. He was willing to vouch for me. Um, to, to get me at least into the open tryout. Um, I get to the open tryout and it's me and about 17 other goalies. <laughs> as, most, as most open tryouts are, right? And everybody's trying to impress in a 30 minute match, you know? Um, so it's, uh, look, I get it. I, um, and, it's, and it's a reoccurring theme in my career, these open tryouts. I've done like two or three of them. Um, but just kind of doing my best to stand out uh, without like hurting anybody or, or, or you know, being reckless. Um, I, I made, try to make a couple good saves and, and try to use, you know, the communication aspect of it to, to stand out above, above others. And it worked. 
uh, and I was invited into preseason. So I, I always think with goalies and especially in open trials, it's, uh, it's so difficult because if the guy takes, you know, a little bit worse of a shot, you can get your fingertips on it and everyone's going, look at that keeper save. If the guy just hits a banger, and there's no keeper saving. Everyone's like, ah, oh, that keeper can't save anything. It's such like a, a coin toss. Sideline, they're like, right. <laughs> yeah, I just, I feel like keepers, it's so, it can be so difficult at times to show, uh, to show your, your abilities in such a short amount of time. Yeah, it, it, you're, you're spot on. You're spot on. And then, of, of course, with the field players, right, everybody is doing tricks and thinking they're Cristiano or, messy and hey, look it's not it's not ideal i'll say i'll say that much. it's not <laughs> ideal but i'm here to say uh i like to think that myself as a success story from these open trials so so this open tryout happens they actually they invite i want to say four or five of us and that is uh and they invite us uh, we haven't signed anything we haven't made it right um they invite us into preseason so we fly down to puerto rico like i said there's four or five of us Similar and, weather and training environment in Belgium as well. So exactly, <laughs> yeah, snow and sleet compared to sun all the time, and, and a little bit of rain. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I go down there. This is uh, this is preseason 2010. Um, they they the Islanders had just come off the back of a fantastic season. They played in the Concacaf Champions League, lost in penalty kicks to Cruz Azul in Mexico. So this team, quality, quality team. Mm -hmm. um, I'm down there for about two weeks, get an opportunity to play in a few training matches, uh, do well, and then sign, sign my contract with them, basically a handshake. There was no negotiating. I didn't have any leverage as a player. I was a free agent, right? So, no, and you had no agent helping you? I had no agent, um, but I was like, you know what? This is my opportunity. Right. Belgium was a good opportunity. This is more legitimate. Right. Uh, so sign this contract again, handshake deal. Um, they, Colin Clark looked after me. Um, and I, I spent the next three years mostly as a backup. Um, in 2010, the season that I got there, we wound up winning the league. Um, and at that time, the now defunct uh, NASL and USL were one league um, and teams like Montreal and Portland had yet to go to the MLS uh, or, or Austin was in the league prior to Austin leaving. That is now Orlando city. Um, there was a team in Baltimore called crystal palace, Baltimore. There was the Atlanta silverbacks, the Miami, Miami FC, Tampa Bay rowdies, Minnesota United, um, I believe. Oh, and Rochester, Rochester Rhinos. Right. So we're going throwbacks, oh, man. And Vancouver as well. So we, in any league in the uh, in in the world, we have the furthest distance between two teams in the same league. So you have Vancouver, and then you have us down here, PR. Traveling. Oh my lord three flights, four flights to get there, day and a half just to play a match. It was, uh, it was incredible. It was incredible. But, uh, but yeah, cause but, what you're flying from Puerto Rico to Miami, then Miami to maybe like Atlanta, New York. And then from there, yeah. at least one more flight. 
Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're expected. All right, well, we got to get a training mat. We got to get some training because we got a game tomorrow. Oh my gosh. Uh, but, but on top of that, on top of the, the, the league schedule, we were also involved in CONCACAF. And CONCACAF gave all of us a great opportunity to play in front of hostile environments, hostile environments in Mexico, in Honduras, in El Salvador, uh, all throughout the Caribbean, Trinidad and Tobago, you know, so um, all of those experiences are just like, man, they were, they were fantastic. And I actually got the opportunity to play in a few of them, you know, so, so uh, the, again, another, uh, another kind of through line in this whole story is you're out of your comfort zone, right? You're, you're, you're prepared to play. You don't, necessarily know how it's going to go but you're prepared um, but you're also not in your little bubble here you're you're out there and you're putting yourself out there and that's kind of that's what living is to me man is like you you put yourself out there whether whether it goes great or whether it goes not so great uh that's that's the, when you really live it so yeah yeah absolutely um was it difficult being a backup for the most part during those years yes and no um, obviously everybody wants to play, right? You, you work your butt off. Uh, as I say, you work, you work your butt off just, to, just for the opportunity to sit on the bench at the weekend. But how can you get better through from that? Become a sponge, right? Look at the guy in front of you. Look what he does well. And this is another thing that I hope people take away is that uh, another goalie or another field player, they're not my competition, right? I'm my own competition, right? Look at your teammates. Look at the goalkeepers that you train with. Look at your coaches as inspiration. Wow, he does that good, or she does that fantastic. Ask questions. Don't be afraid to 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 hold all your secrets right in because and hoard them right because uh, I don't want this other person taking my spot. No, like this is a collaborative effort. Everybody's you know uh, supporting somebody else's success will never dampen mine. Right? Will never mm -hmm. dampen your own. And I subscribe to that wholeheartedly. Um, so. Yeah, I'm sitting on the bench, but at that time I'm sitting on the bench because the, the guy in front of me, a gentleman by the name of Bill Gaudet, who went on to play for the New York, uh, uh, or excuse me, who went to play for Red Bull and went to play for the LA Galaxy, uh, was an absolute baller. You know, I learned the professional aspect, the professionalism aspect. This guy was meticulous, meticulous in his prep preparation. He was meticulous with how he ate and what he ate. Uh, on the day to day, and again, that that you can't you can't pay for an education like that. That that is all okay. I'm here. Yes, I'm not playing, but how can I get better? Well, I see what he does, and I I, I like that. I, I that brings him success. Okay, how can I implement that into my mm -hmm. routine? So yeah. yeah, it sucked not being able to play at the weekend, but I got better in other ways. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot, you know, I mean, because I think a lot of players sit there and maybe mope sitting on the bench. Oh, I'm not playing instead right. of looking at it. This is an opportunity to learn from somebody. And now, you know, not not saying that it's that's the reason you've had such a successful career, but I'm sure that that's played a part in how you then figured out what is your routine? What are your how you're going to handle yourself as a professional and prepare for games? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not, I don't subscribe to the woe is me mentality, right? Oh, the coach, this, or, Oh, this guy. No, no, that's diffusion of responsibility. And that's, that's weakness. Real strength mm -hmm. is being able to be, you know, stand up and be counted. And, and again, put yourself out there, 
be willing, right, to look. I've made mistakes in front of thousands of people. And yeah, you want to crawl under the grass and you want to hide. But so what? So what? Uh, it's the, the man in the arena uh, 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 speech. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And again, I, I know it's cliche and, you know, as I say, but it is the, it's look, you put yourself out there, whether you fail or whether you, you succeed. Oh, well, it sure as hell beats what if, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um, what, what then leads to you moving on from uh, Puerto Rico? Easy, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> um, what, what takes you away from Puerto Rico at that point? What makes you decide time for a change or a, a new scenery for goalkeeping? Yeah, so, so the team actually folded um, right before Christmas 2012. 2012, 2013, 2013. Uh, I get a call from our coach that, that our, uh, our season has been canceled because, or our, our, everything has been canceled. Contracts have been canceled, everything, because the team is folded. Man, ho holy cow, it's like my world got turned upside down. Um, so easy, but it's okay. okay. Here's the, the trash people outside. Good dog, um, dog. Yeah, right, exactly, exactly. Um, so, so I'm like, all right, well, I was going to go back for a fourth year. I was all signed up, and now I can't. So um, through, through connections you make, uh, through coaches that you do well by, um, I was able to go into preseason with the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. A uh, gentleman by the name of Daryl Shore was the coach at the time. Daryl was very good friends with uh, Adrian Whitbread and Colin Clark. Um, so I went there. Um, I, I went there just to kind of stay fit. Um, there was a team in the USL at the time called Antigua Barracuda. Um, I was actually going to go play for them. Uh, hindsight being 2020, knock on wood, thank God I did not because they didn't have a home field. They actually played out of, I believe it was Tampa. So they, they stayed on a bus in, in, in Tampa, but then they would travel they would travel absurd amount of miles to go, to go play. And that, and it, it killed a lot of guys' careers, you know, oh, and, and so you're living on a bus with, you know, 30 other people <laughs> and it's just it's not conducive to success whatsoever. So I'm in, I'm in preseason, I'm in preseason with the uh, Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Um, I do well enough to, to, to earn a contract. Um, uh, come into the season again as the number two. And, uh, get an opportunity to, to start. And the first, the first match that I play in against Tampa, I uh, lacerated kidney. Um, mm -hmm. So that was, that turned, again, turned my world upside down, if you will. So tw twice in, in a calendar year, you know. Um, so I was, I was coming out for a, to collect a ball, get it top of the 18, kind of turn my shoulder and the guy came in, knee to kidney, oof, worst pain could possibly feel. I would not wish this pain on my worst enemy. So, uh, you know, I had, uh, it was a total life, life change. 10 months. I had the, the, a tube in my back, um, going through my kidney, uh, multiple, multiple surgeries, um, out of, out of the game completely, you know, couldn't be active, had to really monitor what I was, you know, what I was doing. It total life change. So, you know, I, uh, I go through that, 
Um, is there is there during that? Uh, obviously, I I think injuries are tough for a player. Um, but I think the hardest part of injuries is the mental side of it. And then I think it's a side that's not really talked about more often than not. Um, you know, and it, it's a mental grind to work hard in rehab or to have to lay there and not do anything. And you're like, Hey, I'm not getting younger. I just went through a, a team folding. Then I found another team. Then I got my chance at playing. Now I'm out again. Uh, that's, that I'm sure was a very uh, mentally grinding time in your life. 100%, 100%. I think uh, a big aspect of this is, is your support system, right? Who, who are you around, your family and your friends, right? But I thank the lucky stars that, that I have, the family that I have. Um, they obviously always support uh, what, you know, what I want to do, what I want to get out of this life. But again, when you're in this compromised state of, of being injured, and a lot of the time, like again, not sensationalizing it, but bedridden, right? It's it sucks. It really sucks, and it's a mental. You're right. It is a it's a mind. You know what? So um, you kind of once the I don't say the the hysterical nature of it calms down, and you're able to kind of get your thoughts in order, right? I spent a lot of time. I spent probably about two weeks total in the hospital out of those 10 months between recovering from surgery or having surgeries, had three or four procedures during that time. Um, but you kind of come to the realization, okay, this is where I'm at now. This isn't going to be lifelong, right? So what can I control? Well, I can control my, my, my thoughts um, and I can control what I, how I spend my time. So I kind of dove headfirst into reading, into learning into listening and you know like i said earlier i wasn't the greatest student but just because i didn't like school doesn't mean i don't like learning mm -hmm. you know i think there's a there's a difference there right I, yeah I, very I, different very different you know i'm not quitting in education uh, i'm just you know i was going away from the from the general model of, of school so <clears throat> i started listening to podcasts reading um you know talking to my friends more reaching out to my friends um you know, things that maybe I have taken for granted while, while football was this, this prime focus of my life. Um, and I, I think I came out the other side better for it. Um, I didn't want to, you know, let that time go to waste just because, oh, again, poor me or woe is me. No, how can you be proactive about it? And that's kind of how I looked at it. I got through it. We got, and we got through it. I say we, as in my mother, my sister, my father, everybody, my friends who supported me. You know, it's, it's a we, not a I thing. Like, we got through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, 100%. And I, I, I like that you said, you know, you found things to, or ways to improve yourself. Yes. Uh, just because you can't be on the field, there's a million other things you can do to improve. And if you improve as a person, even if it's not sport specific, I do believe you're going to improve overall. And life is longer than football or soccer anyways look i say that a lot too i'm going to be a person much longer than i'm going to be a footballer right football is a is a very small part uh you know even if you have the greatest career it's only a percentage of your life right so yeah. my whole thing is yeah it, it, look endeavor and wanting to be a professional at something is beautiful but it's not the only thing mm -hmm. it, it's not the only thing so then you uh 
you switch things up a little bit. You've been hanging out on the, the East Coast for a while. Uh, you decide to take it all the way to Cali. Uh, you get a little bit more traffic. Yeah. Um, head, into, head into LA. Um, talk about how you got signed to LA coming back from uh, the lacerated kidney um, and what kind of now, because it's a new um, league starting out, what's all that experience like? Yeah, for sure. Well, again, this is uh, the literally and figuratively paying your dues part portion. I, uh, I followed Carlos Bocanegra, um, who now I believe is the, I think he's the GM, or not GM, maybe he's president of Atlanta United. But for those of you, for the younger generation who doesn't know, Carlos Bocanegra is cap Captain America, right? Incredible, incredible career. And I, may I add, the most down-to-earth human being I think I've ever met. So no, no matter what level of success anybody has, just know that guy has done it at the highest level for an extremely a long amount of time, and he's still as kind as can be. So uh, I follow him on social media. So I see on Twitter he's promoting a, uh, a three-day uh, camp out in Upland, California, because he has an indoor facility up, uh, up in Upland. And um, 120 bucks uh, for three days. They, tell you, they say that you're going to be able to be seen by LA Galaxy Scouts, at the time Chivas USA, um, and then a couple other professional teams. So uh, literally pay my dues to fly out there, put myself up in a hotel, get the rental car. And it was the best thing, one of the better things that I've ever done because I was there, I was probably one of 30 or 40 players, but one of three with actual professional experience. So I'm out there, I do well. Um, I speak with a gentleman by the name of Dave Cameraman, who at the time worked for the LA Galaxy. He had said, hey, would you be willing to come back next week for an invite only combine because we're starting this team called Galaxy 2 that is going to be playing in the USL. So I'm like, yeah, for sure. Like, no, nah, um, I, I don't think so. I, I gotta yeah, go I got, I'm busy next week. <laughs> so, so I hop on the plane back to, back to Florida. I land, literally uh, repack my bags. A couple of days later, I'm back to, to Los Angeles for that, that uh, invite-only combine. So it's three days of training. And uh, uh, they, they, they like what they see. They, they want to invite me. or They're still uncertain if they want to bring me in with the first team or if, if I just want to come in when, when they start preseason the, as LA Galaxy 2. So <clears throat> hop, on the, hop on the plane out that Sunday, I believe, get back to Orlando and uh, get back home. And mind you, this is a year, almost to the day, a year after my, my kidney laceration. Um, I, I get a call that night from Bruce Arena. And Bruce says, Code, we, we liked what we saw and we want to bring you in for the start of preseason with the first team. And, uh, and can, you, can, can, you make your, can you get on a plane like tomorrow or the next day? And I'm just like uh, overwhelmed with emotion. My family's overwhelmed with emotion because of what we've just gone through the past year. And it was like, the, I don't say the stars aligning, right? Because that sounds kind of cheesy, but it was just such a great moment. I, I was crying, my mother was crying, my dad was crying. It was just like, man, we definitely didn't choose the easy route here, but yeah. we got, we, we, you know, this is an achievement in itself that is just something that is so precious and, and, and I was so appreciative of. So 
hopped back on the plane and, uh, and, and flew out there, started preseason with the first team and went on to have a pretty successful, in my personal opinion, uh, season as the, in the, the, the real first time being able to be a starter. Got mm-hmm. 20, 25 games under my belt. You know, I really enjoyed the experience. Um, and it was just, it was something that I was like, okay, I, this is a little bit more confirmation as, you know, I'm, I'm on the right path here. I'm doing the right things. Um, and I, and I can continue on this path because I'm experiencing a little bit more success, a little bit more success throughout the year. Uh, the first team loved to do this, this training session that required to have them to have four goalkeepers. So I would show up to the, it was at the time called the StubHub Center. I don't know what it's called now, but they'd say, oh, hey, you're going to be with the first team today. I was like, heck yeah, this is, this is perfect. You know, so, so Landon is out there. Robbie Keane is out there. You know, Robbie Rogers at the time, AJ Delagarza, all these guys. Uh, it's a current teammate of mine, Rafa Garcia is out there. So um, I was just, again, I was a sponge. I was, I was asking questions. I mean, uh, the guy who was in goal at the time, Jaime Pinedo, was Panama's national team. Yeah, I uh... – I actually, Galaxy is my, my team I support. So okay. it's, okay. Uh, it's fun to hear some of those names that I haven't you know, thought about Man. in a few years. So yeah. I'm sure that, that was an uh, amazing experience to get to train with some of those guys. And some of them, I mean, have done it at the top level. So I'm sure anytime you make a save against one of them, you're like, all right. Hey, can, can somebody wake me up or don't wake me up if I'm dreaming? This is like the best dream ever. And then, and then if you don't make the save, you're like, Dude, what do you expect? You think I should save Landon Donovan's shot? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, man. Uh, that's incredible. Um, so you have, you have success. You're finally starting as a goalie. Um, you're getting to train with an incredible first side MLS. Uh, did you consider coming back? How, how then was kind of that off season um, of your processing what to do next? Yeah, I was, um, again, I was kind of weighing, weighing all the options, uh, with, with galaxy two, like I said, it had such a great impact on my career. Um, they wanted to go in another direction at the end of the season, you know, so you have that, you have to go in and it's an uncomfortable feeling, but they say, Hey, thank you for everything that you've done, but we're going to be moving on. Um, you don't want to burn any bridges. So I said, thank, Hey, thank you for the opportunity. You you've helped me massively in my career and you know, realistically our paths are going to cross at some point. So thank you. Um, so go back to, uh, I go back to Florida in the off season. And, uh, and that is when, that is when the, um, the opportunity to play for Paul Dalgleish at Austin, um, happens. He gets in touch with, with my agent and, um, says, you know, Hey, look, we have, we have this opportunity here. I've now become the coach. Um, would love to have have you on board. Um, so uh, wound up signing with them. I didn't know anything about Austin, Texas. I've only been there um, once or twice prior, obviously to play. Um, but it was an experience. It, it, it was a tough experience from a playing standpoint. Um, they were very they were very high on another goalkeeper, um, and you know, uh, and I don't hold any any ill will, but it was framed in the way of, oh, this is going to be an open competition. And, you know, you'll have your great, you'll have an opportunity to, to be the starter. And it wasn't, and it wasn't, and it's just, that's just, it's okay. 
it's, it's okay. It's just, that's the reality of it. So while you're not playing, even though you came off the bag and for right or wrong, I'm like, oh man, I just played 25 games at the, uh, you know, for Galaxy 2. I think, you know, my track record bodes better than, than, than this unproven talent. Uh, but you know, what can you do? I can only, I can only control my efforts. I can only control, um, my willingness to be a good teammate and the rest is going to take care of itself anyway in time. So mm -hmm. yeah, that year on the field was tough. Uh, see, we didn't have good team success, um, but made, made so many great friends off the field, um, you know, and, and got to explore and experience life outside of soccer because Austin, Texas, in my opinion, is one of the greatest cities in America. Um, so for while, you know, while the field, you know, field playing side of it and the soccer side of it wasn't the best, we grew, I grew in other areas. Um, you know, I utilized our downtime, uh, got into the community more. I, uh, I did a lot of individual coaching. That's kind of like where my coaching really took off. Uh, you know, I'd get out there three or four times a week. Um, and then those people, I, I get the, I, I start realizing that, oh, those people that I coach or I coach their kids during the week are the same ones that are going to be willing to buy a ticket for the weekend, go come watch us play. Right. So that was, uh, that was like an aha moment, if you will. I was like, okay, you're building great relationships and you're making yourself more valuable to the club because you're bringing more people out there because they like you or they support you because mm -hmm. you help them. And that's a that's another aspect of, of this whole process that it took a little while to realize that but hey make yourself as valuable as you can to a franchise it's gonna be hard for them to let you go yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. it's not just on the field when it comes exactly. down to player decisions exactly i uh i heard a lot about that team and things because i trained in the off season with uh brendan king okay bk yeah so, yeah, yeah. so i used to hear things about that team um yeah, it's uh, Austin, at least everyone speaks so highly of it. Um, but I know there were issues with the club and yeah. on the field things. Um, I love Brendan, by the way. He is, I got to see him a couple of years ago. We were in Chicago and I called him up. I was just visiting a couple of friends. We all got, we all got together, had some, had some lunch or some dinner. I can't remember, but what a great guy. What a great yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he beat me a few times in training with those. He's so technical. So it was. <laughs> It's a struggle, um, but you go from living in Belgium to Puerto Rico to Fort Lauderdale to LA to Austin. I mean, those are all very different um, places, different culture, different yep. types of people. Uh, is it was it difficult for you at all to kind of feel at home, or did you just feel like a journeyman? Oh, for sure, I felt like a journeyman. Um, I had the conversation with somebody yesterday. You never buy anything, right? You, you lease or you rent it. I, I made that mistake my first year in Puerto Rico. I had, there's a, now there's a Ford Taurus, there's a, there's a bunch of apartment furniture and there's a big screen TV that's floating around somewhere till this day. Uh, I made the mistake of, uh, of thinking my future was secure. What, a, what an idiot. Uh, <laughs> no, I, but, I bought my first TV stand this year and it's my. <laughs> was it fourth year here and i finally was like all right four years here maybe i can buy something yeah no you get look you get conditioned to it because the reality is all right i'm here for uh here for a good time not a long time so so 
you know, shed the, shed the excess weight, if you will. Um, no, but, but you're absolutely right. It's like you get in this mindset and it's so foreign. It's so foreign for the normal, let's say normal person to understand. Why, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to put yourself in such uncertainty? Um, but again, it's like, that's the only place where growth happens. That's the only place where you actually find out what you're about. That's the only place you figure out who you are as a person, you know? So, uh, yeah, you're, you're living this nomadic, uh, life. You, you're a rolling stone as they say. Um, but there's a lot of benefit that comes from that. that you, the, the, the net, if you will, uh, of connections, of friendships, of working relationships that I have to this day spans the globe, spans the globe. And that's not a brag. That's just what happens when you put yourself out there. And yeah, it's uncomfortable and it sucks sometimes because you're there for 10 months or you're there for a year, year and a half, and then you got to move on to the next. But this is a benefit of it is now you can call on people. You could say, hey, you know, especially in this, in this industry, in, in, the, in the footballing world, if you want to become an agent, if you want to become a general manager, one phone call, you have, you've, you've built in these relationships with people that you were teammates with 15, 15 years ago that you can, that you can call and that you trust, you know? So for, for, yeah, while the feeling is very nomadic, it is, there's still a lot of benefit to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I don't know. I think relationships you make built around, a sport I don't know so much about other sports but with soccer specific um it's just different than if you were you know neighbors with somebody and have a relationship there's just a certain level that you build when you're fighting on the field together um and you're you're experiencing the highs and lows of being uh with those guys it just builds a bond that even if you don't talk to them for years there's just that connection is always there because you struggle you struggle together Right, you you struggle mentally and you struggle physically, right? And then, you, again, you find out who's who's able to, as they say, stand up and be counted, you know, and who's not going to blame others. And then who is going to blame others? That way, you know, okay, let me steer myself away from this person because this person is not good for for my mental. You know, it's it all all encompassing. It's very very important to see both sides. Absolutely. Um. So then. Austin, uh, they go on a bit of a hiatus. They need a soccer specific field or their own field, right? And they were using, um, was it a high school? Yeah. Um, so they, they go and ask for one year to figure it out. Um, so then obviously that means you need to find a new club. Yep. Uh, at that point, are you, you're not young in your career. You're also not old at that time. Uh, there's just been like a lot of different experiences. Are you at all thinking like, I am sick of this every year, trying to find a new place, going to open trials, trying to get set. Are you at all like, maybe I just hang up the boots and do something else? It, it never crossed my mind. It never crossed my mind. I think uh, it was just like, all right, this, this door closes. There's inevitably going to be one that opens. Um, so that's, I never really, I didn't get tired of it. And, and let me, be very clear. I, I didn't have a wife or a child or you know anything of that nature. So I was able to be selfish in that in that regard. I was able to do what's best for me, right? Because I didn't have those external pressures of uh, a significant other or you know a child. And I, many of teammates, I'm sure you've had many of teammates as well that want to keep going, but just whether it be for one reason or another, financially or just instability, um, they have to hang them up. 
Um, and now it's not that, again, it's not a slight against them. It's just the reality for me was I was able to have this mindset because it was me, single, young, single male, and was willing to kind of live wherever. Did you have your dog at the time? Did not. No, the pup is new. The, pu the puppy's new. He, uh, he came into our life uh, uh, early this year. So, no, but, um, but yeah, so I, so they, like you said, went on hiatus. Um, and then you kind of back to the drawing board. I had, again, I had an agent or have an agent to this day who is the, who, who is just an amazing, amazing woman who I look at as my second mother, um, a woman by the name of Danica Jamison. Um, her son, Bradford Jamison, is, is a player um, who I got to know very well as a teammate in LA um, and just somebody who I trust because, I mean, you know, the, the MO with agents is players don't really trust them because it's a means to an end for people and it's not necessarily mm -hmm. a genuine relationship. And, you know, everybody's out for, for themselves. So, uh, so I was definitely blessed for our paths to cross and she, she's always looked after me. You know, the, the, the off season after Austin, um, gentleman by the name of Jimmy Nielsen, who at the time was the head coach of the energy, uh, Oklahoma city energy called her and said, look, we want Cody here. Um, and you know, I spoke with him directly and it was the first time in my career where a head coach reiterated to me that what I bring to the table is what he wants and I'm his guy. And that took Matt, I'm thinking I'm seven or eight years into my professional career before somebody has said that to me. And I'm not one, I don't need that validation. I don't, don't right. think I need that validation, but it was, it meant the world to me because Jimmy, a big time player in his day, he won, he won MLS cup uh, in, in 2013 with broken ribs. Uh, and just somebody who, if I have half of the success that he's had in his professional career, I could only, I could, I would only hope to, um, for him to say those words that, that carried weight, that carried weight. And I was freaking ready to run through a brick wall for this guy. So I was like, Oh, you, you want me to sign? I'm there done. I'll bring my own contract. Matter of fact. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was going into the 2016 season. Uh, you know, now he's no, he's no longer the head coach here. Uh, he moved on to Hartford. Um, and now is, is kind of figuring out what he wants to do with, with his, his life. Uh, along with his family, but man, I credit a lot. I credit a lot to Jimmy Nielsen because he um, he came into into my life at a at a time where I'm out of contract, you know, and I don't know what's next. And to hear him say those words that you're our guy, he could done. <laughs> done i'm in whatever you need me to do i'll meet i'm there tomorrow i'll buy my own ticket no problem <laughs> uh so yeah and, and that was 2016 and and you know fast forward a couple of years 2020 i'm uh i'm here now yeah and that i always like um if in the storyline of a player's journey they hit a place that is a good fit for them they're succeeding there um and the, the club wants them and they, you know, kind of can put down roots, obviously getting a dog, um, yep. getting a house, you put down, down roots in that area, which means you uh, are enjoying it more than just for the football. You're 
yes. built a life in the community. And I think that's a, an awesome place to get to. Um, some players never get the experience of that and some do. So to be um, so involved and so kind of set now is got to be, you know, from the road of journeyman to now, this is almost, I guess you would call it home. Yeah, I think there's always, always in the back of your mind, like you can never get comfortable and that's yeah. something every day, right? And again, cliche, right? Sporting cliche, never get comfortable. But no, you, you just go, you go to work and you give it your all, right? You, uh, you don't take time, you don't take days off. You, you give everything you can and, and inevitably the chips, as they say, will fall where they may. Um, but you're right. There's a lot of guys that go into this profession and by their own doing or by just how their career works out, one year here, one year there, one year, look, I've experienced that. I understand there's a lot of things that are out of your control, but if you as a player have the opportunity to stick somewhere, stay there. If the club values what you bring to the table, stay there because it's a revolving door, right? And if you can make yourself, we're going back to, we're talking about the coaching aspect, right? You're making yourself more valuable to a franchise off the field, right? So build start building that building it building it building it and it takes time it takes a lot a lot of time a lot a lot of effort but you become more valuable not just from your play on the field but how you interact with the community you know how how you give interviews you know oh you're the reason why we want to come see the energy play this week wow that that makes me feel great but then it's it, it also benefits the energy because a ticket has now been paid you know all these things mm -hmm. you have to take into consideration right the, foot, the main thing is the football. The main thing is the training, right? But we're also in the entertainment business, right? So can, do you have a personality, right? You got to get out of your shell. You got to interact. You got to be the first one to say hello, to put a hand out, to shake a hand, to look somebody in the eye, uh, to make yourself as valuable to, to a franchise as you possibly can, right? And then on-field success, uh, dic again, dictates everything, but you have to kind of look at yourself as a, as a business not just as a soccer player. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so you get to the point, I call it the, uh, the no GPS point, which means inside of like a normal week of living, you don't have to pull out GPS to know where you're going in the town. You know, like, you like, know the places. Yes. Um, I think is it, I don't know exactly. I believe it's about 96 caps you've had for OKC. Yes. So you're getting close to that hundred. Um, that's exciting. I think that is uh, a testament to a lot of things to reach a hundred caps with a team. Number one, the club has to value you. Number two, you have to uh, be performing at a certain standard. Um, and number three, you also have to be doing the little things to keep yourself healthy to continue to perform at that standard. So that's a huge accomplishment. Excited for Hopefully the season um, gets sorted out and all these things get figured out with the, the players union and all so that you guys right you can get that hundred. <laughs> um, I think uh, a little bit different part of your career, which is interesting, is you have represented Puerto Rico um, for the national team. You have no heritage of Puerto Rican descent. Um, yeah. tell, us, tell us about that. So, and that's a, that, uh, again, thank you for the kind words first and foremost, but uh, yeah, it was an experience that, uh, phew, man, uh, not, not being dramatic, it does give me chills, right? Because 
spent three years down there. And for those who don't know, Puerto Rico is a commonwealth of the United States. So as long as you are able to prove um, that you've lived there for two years, you're able to represent their national team. Um, you don't have to uh, give up your U.S. passport because, again, Commonwealth, they're considered uh, Americans as well. So the opportunity was, was presented to me when I was down there, when I was younger. <clears throat> but as a younger player, um, I, I thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to hold off because may, maybe down the line, maybe six, seven years from now, maybe I'll get an opportunity with the U.S. Well, six, seven years come and go. I'm not on the U.S.'s radar. No problem. But I was like, all right, this opportunity is still available. Boom, let's jump on. Who, how many people can say they've played international football? So, mm -hmm. so, uh, so yeah, that, that was an opportunity that, that came back around, luckily uh, and thankfully. And I jumped on it. And, uh, look, a, a, lot of, a lot of familiar faces who I've been teammates with in the past, um, a, you know, a lot of coaches who, who, who I've, I've met in the past. And it's just something that I, I'm so passionate about uh, representing the culture, representing the people. <clears throat> it's like, it's a dream. Again, it's a dream. Yeah. Uh, one, of your, one of your Puerto Rican national teammates, David Caban, uh, yeah. he, he said to say hello. He messaged me. He saw that we were getting the interview. But he I, said what a great um what's what's the experience that first that first uh time on the field with uh wearing the jersey you know first international game like that oh it was in front of like forty thousand people we played in indonesia in indonesia Jeez. it took like a day and a half to get there <laughs> it was wild <laughs> it was wild um yeah we flew shoot we flew from miami to doha um in the middle of ramadan so we landed and there was nothing in the airport that was open food or drink wise. Uh, and then we had to fly Doha to Jakarta. Um, so that was, oh man, what an experience. But anyway, uh, yeah, th that match driving up to the, up to the stadium, seeing the, the, the amount of people that were there, that was, that was intense. Um, I went out, went out for the warmups, and uh, people were throwing things at you. It was, uh, I found, uh, this is not indicative of their culture whatsoever, because the Indonesian culture is fantastic. But uh, just, it, it was an action of, of one, uh, we'll say, uh, silly, silly person. I found a, a razor blade in the six yard box. So I'm like, oh, okay. All right. So uh, I took that, threw it off, I gave it to the security or whatever. But, um, Personally, you know, I made a lot of saves in that game. It was just a, it was a incredible, overwhelming, emotional experience. I told, before kickoff, I told our um, PR guy that was with us, I said, look, dude, take as many photos, take as many videos as you possibly can, because I don't know when, this could be my first and last, you know, who knows? No, nobody really knows, so please, I want these moments to, I want to be able to look back in these moments 30 years from now. So please just snap away and take as much video as by any day. He's like, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, we wound up playing, uh, playing that game, tied 0-0, made some good saves. Uh, and then in, in subsequent years, I've made a couple more appearances for the team, obviously with the um, inception of this 
Nations League that, that, uh, that FIFA and CONCACAF are doing. We're getting more opportunities to play uh, good competition. Um, and it's just, it's something that I'm so passionate about representing, uh, representing Puerto Rico as a whole um, and giving everything I possibly can to kind of further um, the discussion and just the, the, the quality that is the Puerto Rican footballers. So I'm trying, again, yeah. trying to do my part to push, to, to leave it better than I found it. That's, that's what I'm about. Paying it forward, right? Paying it forward, man. Paying it forward. Right. Who, who would have thought you're playing Juco in Georgia <laughs> and then one day you're going to represent Puerto Rico over in Indonesia? <laughs> oh, yeah. You're telling me. The, I, I, that's why I love getting to hear all different players' stories because no matter what you think your story is going to be, always, there's always twists and turns that nobody saw coming. Exactly. Exactly. And there's no, yeah, there's no one set way to success. That's another mm-hmm. thing you got to, like, let me reiterate, you, you know, somebody's, somebody's path is much different than your own. So don't think that you have to emulate. I mean, you can emulate the greats, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But don't emulate everybody's path because my path is different than yours, is different than yours, is different than his, is different than hers. So there's, I'm here to say I'm living proof that everybody's path is different. Yeah, no, and, that, and that's part of the, the purpose behind that is to show players there isn't one right or wrong way to make it um so now you're 31 years old yep um so not not old you still got years left to to play um but you're definitely a seasoned veteran knocking on wood as you say that (laughs) (laughs) you're you're definitely a seasoned veteran you know no young guys coming in with a beard like that (laughs) Uh, um if you could go back to you know 15 year old self driving to orlando for trainings uh what would be the biggest you know soccer specific advice you would give yourself um it's hard to beat the guy who doesn't quit that's what that that's what i would reiterate uh to myself at 15 years of age because like i said i was never the first pick i was never the best player and I struggled with that. I'm like, oh man, what am I doing wrong? And what are this? What is this guy doing right now? It's like I just developed later than 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 a lot, a lot of people. And again, my path was different. But there were those moments where I was like, ah oh, man, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to, or uh, this, you know, this sucks, or I'm not going to be able to play at the weekend. Why do I have to go train? No, just keep, you know, see it through, see it through. And it's hard to beat the guy that never quits. And that's, that's what I would tell my, my 15-year-old self. Now, did you – because some players take that of, you know, coaches didn't like me, players didn't choose me. Um, obviously, watching our last dance with Michael Jordan, he found, like, any way he could that, you know, to go out against somebody and find something that they did against him, even if it was making it up. But did you use that as fuel or did it not – It was that not a motivating force for you? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. That's kind of how I've – after watching the last dance, I tend to try to keep as clear of a mind as possible. I think a personal, uh, personal, I say vendetta or personal feelings, of a strong dislike to something, in my opinion, clouds my ability to be the best goalkeeper that I possibly can be. Um, so I don't necessarily use any anything like that, any external uh, motivation. Um, 
but if you're playing away from home and you got people that are yelling at you because just because I'm standing at goal and you know, the fans are saying what they're saying. Yeah, of course that motivates me. You know, of course it's like, uh, you know, so it's, Oh, you know, don't, don't drop it or, 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 Oh, you got lucky that time. Yeah. Well, I'm going to keep getting lucky. I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to let you enjoy me getting scored on here. So that in time, at times there, there is for sure that, that feeling of I'll show you. Right. But for the most part, and speaking me personally, um, my motivations come from within. Uh, can I be the best? If, if I do the best uh, job that I possibly can, then I'm doing okay. I don't, I, I don't necessarily look at other people um, to kind of, I'll say motivate, but I don't hold any grudges and say, okay, I'm gonna go show you now. Now look, it's, it's clearly worked for him. He's the best of all time, MJ, right? But that's just not how I'm wired. That's just not how I, I want to go about doing things. Yeah, and I think, you know, and not to make it about basketball, but I would argue, too, like that was part of the reason that it became such a grind for him is because if mentally if you have to work yourself into that state every time to find something that somebody did to you, I mean, there's a reason why. I'm not saying that's the only reason why he, he took the breaks, but, you know, it, it's hard to keep that level of, intensity against others and continue to hold like almost grudges constantly and use that as fuel exactly yeah because a coach walked by me and didn't say hello or something like that. <laughs> look hey it clearly worked for him but i, I can't uh, that's not that's not how i'm wired yeah um now you've been you've been in the different leagues in the u.s they've changed names that sort of thing um yeah. but what what have you seen um, in the growth of soccer in the U.S. Um, and why do you think um, there is that growth? What do you think's uh, happening that that's leading to that? Yeah, I think um, first and foremost, football, soccer, football is it, it is America because it is a melting pot. It is a melting pot of cultures. It is a melting pot of religions. It is a melting pot of skin tone. Right. It is the only sport that is played worldwide. Right. There is no NFL in Europe. There is no there's there's a basket there. There's a Euro League in basketball, but it's not the same as the NBA. So what is America? America is a melting pot of culture. Right. And, and soccer lends itself to every single culture being able to be on the same field at the same time, to interact, to share a locker room, to share life experience with one another. That is why I believe soccer in America is going to continue to take off and continue and continue and continue. You see it, you see it in the USL. Obviously, the USL is, is, uh, is made up of a lot of smaller markets. Um, and there's a lot of smaller markets that want to continue to get into, uh, into the USL because uh, it's a community-based kind of program, if you will. Um, there's a lot of – sorry, my dog's back. Easy, bud. You're good. Um, there's a lot of opportunity there because, because of the, the melting pot of culture that is America. So, um, it's grown exponentially. Holy cow. It's like, we're up to, we're gonna be up to 40 teams next year, most likely. So I just, I, I look at what baseball is doing. Baseball is speed, has a speed of play issue, right? Cause nobody wants to sit out of the game for three and a half hours anymore. Football, obviously you see long-term effects. Uh, on your on your brain with CTE, and you know, that's not to say that soccer is har harmless because I'm a, I'm here to say I had two knee procedures and a lacerated kidney from soccer. 
<laughs> um, but in the grand scheme of things, it's, uh, it, it's, it's probably a safe, safer alternative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think obviously not to, uh, get too much into it. Uh, but with the holdout kind of going on right now, um, as much as it's, it's frustrating, I think it also shows how much stronger soccer has become in the U S that players can be starting to be like, we are demanding this as our minimum and things that, you know, numbers that when you came in, yes. that, is, that was not a reality or anywhere near that as a reality when you were starting out. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point because it, it is, look, when I hear, and I've heard this a couple of times over the years from coaches, oh, well, you also didn't make much money when I was a player either. Okay, okay but that, that's a loser's mentality. Right? You want to stay in something? You want to experience uh, an entire career and not leave it better than you found it? Like, I, I just think that's a weak mentality to say, oh, well, it's always been this way and this is the way it's always going to be. No, no. You're here and, and you're doing well for yourself personally. Okay, now how can we position ourselves to, to positively affect um, the masses, right? How can we, if we want, if we want to be considered a top footballing nation, Right. How can we stop the guys who have to make the decision like we spoke about earlier in our conversation, making the decision between a regular nine to five and continuing their football and career strictly down to finances? You know, mm -hmm. that's, you, you can't have one without the other. You can't say, oh, we're going to be this, but then say, oh, well, this is the contract. Take it or leave it. You know, so I, I feel strongly about that. I want to I, I want to be been remembered as somebody that pushed the pushed us forward as as players and you know got us a seat at the table got us in the room got us a seat at the table and then ultimately get our opinions and, and thoughts heard because that's the only way you're going to have progress that's the only way you're gonna, and, and this mentality of oh well back in my day this is all we made well great there's no there, there, there's no forward thinking there that's just loser talk and I'm not about that. I don't want to be, I'm not a loser. So you can say that, but look, let's make things happen. Let's, let's put our brains together. Let's formulate something. Let's push this agenda forward so everybody can be successful. Because at the end of the day, a better, a more successful team on the field will bring in more interest from the community, therefore bringing in more money, therefore making it more advantageous for ownership to have, take part in, in, in this industry. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've had friends, both male and female that have retired from professional soccer because of the financial burden. Um, and I think that's just such a, such a shame that, that that becomes a reason, you know, if they find a new passion or, or injury or something, it's all right. That's, that's part of life. But if the decision-making is solely on the financial, I think that's such a shame because we're missing so many good players in the it, game. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so now just briefly, um, you know, goalies have to be mentally strong. You make yes. a, a striker makes one good thing, 15 mistakes. He's a hero of the game. If a goalie makes 10 great saves and misses one, they can be the reason you lost the game. How have yep. you figured out how to, um, not be bothered by that, but to stay mentally strong and, you know, confident in yourself between the sticks? It's a great question. And, uh, I'm gonna give you a very simplistic answer. <laughs> save the ones I should save. 
That's, a, that's, a, that's as simple as it gets. Look, if, if somebody hits a banger on me, top, top stanch, okay, well done. You know, uh, I, I am fully in the belief that I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it as difficult as I possibly can, and I should save the balls that I should save. But if you're going to put one past me and it's going to hit off the top, you know, into the top corner where the spiders, the family of spiders live, so be it. So be it. Mm -hmm. and, and that is something that I think the younger generation needs to realize is that you see the Instagrams, right? You see the social media and all that. What is it? It's the top bin saves. Well, okay. But is that what's, is that realistic? Like that's a one in every hundred shot. There's right? a reason why it's on Instagram. <laughs> exactly. That's a reason why it's a highlight reel, right? So, so if you want to have a career, a long sustainable career, right? Save the ones you're supposed to save. You know, I, uh, I Go tell ahead. my goalie, uh, I tell him, I say, save the saves you sh or yeah. make the saves you should. And, yeah. and if you can make one, you shouldn't every game, chances yeah. are we're going to be in a real good position at the end of the game. Exactly. And I know it's, it's like boiled down to the most simplistic, uh, explanation it possibly can be, but it's the truth. It, it absolutely. is. It, no, there's no need for any deep detailed, uh, explanation. It's save the ones that you can save. And like you said, God forbid you pull one out that you probably had no business saving, then great. Then you've given us the momentum to possibly go down the other end and get mm. something out of it. So. Absolutely. Um, final question. What is your why for playing soccer? What after all these years, um, injuries, surgeries, out of contract, open tryouts, uh, different countries, different states, being a journeyman, what's the, the why behind it after all this time? Yeah, just to, just to show the next generation, just to, to be the inspiration and to be the guy that wasn't highly recruited, wasn't highly thought of athletically, um, who was still able to make a career out of, out of sport. Um, that is my overwhelming why. Obviously, soccer is what gets me in the room, if you will, um, and, and it allows me to have the impact, but the ability to show that, hey, you don't have to be the best, right? All you have to do is work your tail off, right, over and over and over and over again, and maybe, maybe it will work out. I'm not going to say definitely, right, because there's a lot of other factors, right? But maybe you've given yourself the best opportunity to be successful. And not, not just in soccer, but in, in everything. You take that same mentality into studying. You take that same mentality into whatever you're interested in. I mm -hmm. want to be looked at as the person who didn't quit when, you know, uh, the cards were against me, if you will, and just kept moving forward, kept moving forward, didn't blame anybody else, didn't, didn't did, you know, took full responsibility uh, of myself and did the best I possibly could. 100%. I, I like that. I like that reasoning. And that's probably why you've been able to stay motivated and had success all these years with that type of belief. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. It was really kind. Yeah. Hey, so I appreciate you taking time to, uh, to share your story, to share your wisdom. Um, I think you have a lot of uh, good advice for younger players of experiences you went through. I mean, as you said, you weren't you know, the number one sought after pick and it was a, a walk in the park for you, but you continue to, you know, focus on the things you can focus on, improve on things you can improve on. And you've made a, a successful career um, 
out of that. So I think that's, that's an incredible story right there. And, and thank you for, for, you know, your interest. Um, and then obviously your time for enabling me to speak about my experiences. And I hope, I hope this inspires just one, one person who may be, uh, may be contemplating, uh, you know, maybe I should give it up to keep pushing through, to keep pushing through. And, and before we do end, look, if anybody wants to reach out, uh, obviously I'll always do my best to respond as openly and as honestly as I possibly can. You can reach out to me on Twitter, on, on Instagram or Facebook or wherever. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll, I'll link it when I uh, edit and I'll link your, your Instagram and also people can find you. Awesome. Awesome. All right, man. Take care. Uh, man. Give that, give that dog some love. It looks like it needs some. I know. I'm going to go throw the tennis ball with him. Now. <laughs> awesome, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you as always, Matt. All right. Bye.